1: But I think it's really important from a young age to start to kind of model how to express your emotions verbally as well to your children. So, you know, I spend a lot of time if I'm frustrated or angry or upset, like I say it out loud, I let my girls hear it. Hey everyone, welcome back
0: to the Pete's Talk podcast. This podcast continues to grow because of you and your reviews. So thank you for tuning in and being here today. I'm so excited to welcome on the episode today, Dr. Sarah Abudara, who is a school psychologist and licensed clinical psychologist. And we're talking about how to raise an emotionally aware child. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Well, tell me more about yourself and why this topic in particular is so important to you, or you're just so passionate about talking about this.
1: So um, I work full-time right now in an elementary school with children ranging from kindergarten through third grade. And I also do some private clinical work in the evenings with um, children. On top of that, I'm also simultaneously raising my two girls, my three-year-old and my newly one-year-old, And I have had a very interesting time kind of finding this balance between the work I do professionally and carrying that over into raising my children and really trying to utilize the things I know as a professional to help me be a better mom. And it has made me want to be able to help educate other moms to utilize some of the strategies and stuff that I just happen to know because of my kind of professional background and how that's helped me and then sometimes also hindered me. Um, in my parenting as well. Mm -hmm.
0: I love it. So you're looking at that self-insight, which I also love to do also. It's very important work to take what we know from being a pediatrician, being a psychologist and implement that with our kids. So I love that. I'm so excited that you're here. And when we talk about raising an emotionally aware child, what does that mean to you? You know, Why is that important? I think sometimes people may not understand what that terminology means and what we're trying to get our children to understand.
1: Of course. So there's a whole range of emotions that we experience. And as we grow from infancy through adulthood, those kind of our emotional vocabulary, the emotions we actually experience grow and transform. Um, and one thing I've learned in doing my private work and school work is that Sometimes kids just truly lack the um, words to utilize, to articulate how they're feeling because they've just never really been taught to say, I feel sad, I feel mad, I'm frustrated. They have these body sensations and they kind of act out these emotions and feelings, but they don't know how to verbalize them. And at a very small age, that's completely developmentally appropriate to lack the verbal skills to articulate your emotions and instead just act them out behaviorally. But I think it's really important from a young age to start to kind of model how to express your emotions verbally as well to your children. So, you know, I spend a lot of time if I'm frustrated or angry or upset, like I say it out loud, I let my girls hear it. And I think that just giving them that education and that insight, teaching them about feelings, my three-year-old knows. A whole bunch of feeling words already. She can point to pictures, you know, in a storybook and say that person is sad, that person is mad based on you know facial expressions she's seeing. And that ability to just give her um, that language to represent how she's feeling has been helpful sometimes in working through kind of big emotions with her and situations.
0: Yeah, because if they've never experienced that feeling before or unsure how to process it, how will they ever really learn? So, how young did you start doing this with your children? I know you said you have a one and a three year old. Yeah. Um, how early did you start doing the books and the explanation of the emotions with your girls?
1: Honestly, probably right from the get go. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I started reading, I would point out what somebody was feeling um, in a story. Obviously, you know, being a psychologist, we yes. have a big library of you know, feelings books. So I like to read them from a very young age. My oldest, my three-year-old was very early in her verbal skills, like talking before one. Like she talks like she's like 16 now. Um, she's very advanced in her verbal skills. So I was able to do a lot of this probably a little earlier than like the norm in terms of getting her to be able to verbalize back to me. But just very from the beginning, um, it became part of our conversation, part of our you know day-to-day talk we read before bed every night, and when it was you know applicable, I would throw in a feelings word or you know say, "This character's sad," or what makes you feel sad, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of times parents feel that they have to wait till their child is more receptive in language. right I know you mm-hmm. said you had a child who was speaking more, but some parents feel like, well no, they're not really talking much, so they must not understand me, and I completely right. agree that your children understand you even before they become fully verbal quote unquote, right. There are nonverbal cues. Um, our facial expressions are obviously something that they're really learning about from the beginning. So Mm -hmm. I did the same thing with our Ryan. I think it's so special and so important from infancy and beyond what else can parents do to kind of foster this sort of education or awareness of raising an emotionally aware child besides obviously just speaking about the emotions and pointing out different emotions to the child in books and, you know, other people's emotions as well.
1: You know, I think those are two of the really important things to be done. But another strategy I've used is kind of pointing out in the moment what emotion I think my daughter is feeling. And in mm-hmm. particular, my three-year-old, because, you know, my one year olds only one. Um, But with my three-year-old, like if she's frustrated, if she's stomping her foot, if she's crying, I'll say, you know, you seem very sad right now. You seem mm-hmm. very frustrated right now. Are you feeling angry right now? You know, I can tell you're angry right now. What can we do to feel better? And sometimes that works great. Sometimes that just escalates the situation. And sometimes I'm escalated myself and not able to do that because I'm human as well. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I get stuck in the situation where because of my professional background, I feel as though I should be able to handle challenging situations with her and my children better than I do. But I still absolutely have moments where I lose my patience and don't handle it in the way that is I think, best suited to foster that emotional awareness. But when I remember to, that's another big strategy I utilize is to just give words to the big emotion that I'm watching my daughter experience in the moment.
0: Yeah. And like you said, that you're experiencing too. You mentioned that earlier as well. Like We're not perfect beings. We're obviously always evolving and learning about the things that trigger us or the things that stress us out, or you may not even realize it. And all of a sudden you're like feeling frustrated as an adult too. So like you said, you're verbalizing all of those moments in front of your child too, rather than dismissing it and saying, well, no, mommy is always a quote unquote strong one. Like she never gets vulnerable. She never cries. And I do think there's a balance there. Do you ever, I guess maybe as a psychologist too, do you ever like worry or overthink the balance that you're trying to create. I don't like meaning in terms of like being too vulnerable in front of your children. Do you feel like there's a balance that parents should be looking out for in terms of giving them too much emotional awareness for a child? I really don't,
1: you know, Mm -hmm. I think that as more like natural as it can be is what's important. I think that, you know, trying to hide and hinder and hold in your your emotions is only going to make things like more challenging for you as a parent too. do, Do the kids need to see every big, like, Disagreement with your husband or frustration mm-hmm. in other sense of the world that you're experiencing. Do you explain to them every emotion you're having about things like that they don't need to know about? Yeah. No, but if you're feeling frustrated in the moment, if they catch you crying, if they catch you losing your patience, I think the more they can see that and then see you work through it, the better. I find that I have so much mom guilt when I lose my pool with my three-year-olds. And what I try and remind myself is the important piece is kind of the after and you know, after we've live lost my cool, after I've screamed and she's cried, whatever. Then, like at bedtime, being able to sit down and like reflect on that and say, "Mommy was really upset and frustrated." Even grown ups get angry. I'm sorry, I yelled at you. You know, I always love you, no matter what. How did it make you feel when mommy did that? That kind of stuff. And I really try and include that in part of our daily life as well. Um, it helps me feel better as well. Um, but it, I can see it really helps educate her and understand that we're human, you know, grownups have emotions too, and that's all okay. And I think that that's really important to show our kids. Oh, I love those debriefing sessions. Do you find that you tend to do them more at bedtime? Is that your kind of go-to? Yes, that's our go-to. And mm-hmm. um, with our bedtime, we have this part of our routine too, where we go through a couple feelings. So before bed every night, I say, you know, what made you feel happy today? What made you feel loved today? What made you feel sad today? What made you feel angry today? Um, she loves doing it. And as I said, my, my 3 year old's super verbal. So sometimes it takes forever. And I don't do it because I just need her to go to bed. Um, and then she's like, mom, we didn't do our feelings. And she gets upset about it. But <laughs> I try and incorporate, yes, are those debriefing sessions before bed. And I love them. And I look, because I think it just, you know, it resets. Right. She's going to bed. The next time I see her, I know we've had this talk and I'm like, you know, we're both happy to see each other again. And I can go to bed with a little bit less mom guilt from the day, which is, you know, important for us as well.
0: Oh yeah. And, you know, think about this for like any relationship, right? Like if you have an argument or discussion, if you will, with your partner or a friend, like I always say, like, you never want to go to bed with ill feelings, you want to talk it out and you want to just say, Hey, look, like earlier today, like just give an example with like a partner, right? Like earlier today, like I was very frustrated and you asked me to do X, Y, and Z and I got upset and it really just can help end that day and obviously find a positive from that day and move forward. And so I love that. It's something that we, we like to do in our house as well. And I ask about when you do it because I think, you know, Bedtime routine is a natural time to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that wind down, it's that intimate time where you're usually reading. Hopefully, maybe, you know, I love reading um, for bedtime. Mm -hmm. I think it's part of a great routine, but it's just that very nice wind down to just really reflect on the day, whether it was something that scared them or something positive. Like you said, it's not just all
1: negative quote unquote emotions or scary emotions, Mm -hmm. it's all the feelings we have, which is so wonderful. And I think that's important too, because I think a lot of times when we think about like, teaching our kid feelings, we think about like those more negative emotions, Mm -hmm. but like having your kid express when they're happy and loved and excited are all just as important to give them verbalization for those as well, especially when they're little, because a lot of times you'll see that excited really happy emotion coming out almost like as a dysregulated, like crazy, silly, like all over the place behavior, but that's really just because they're feeling so happy or so excited and being able to teach them to verbalize that and understand that emotion is super important as well.
0: Explains. Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune into mysteries about true histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Is there a moment you can think of as a mom for either of your daughters that you were like, wow, I am raising an emotionally aware child. Like there was that, you know, light bulb moment or that time where you're like, this is something really cool that this is working, like what we're talking about.
1: Yes, actually, there's a kind of little funny anecdotal story and where I really just it all came into place that she's really listening, she's understanding. And it was not actually how I thought it was going to come. But, you know, obviously, during the pandemic, I did a lot of virtual teaching, virtual um, clinical work, our school, um, the, you know, the year we came back from COVID, we were virtual completely until March. So I was doing a lot of lessons to the kids I work with via zoom. And, you know, childcare was on and off. So she was Mm -hmm. around here and there. And She was overhearing probably more than I really thought she was. And one of the curriculums I use in the school I work with, is called the zones of regulation. And it teaches children to clump different emotions into four different color zones. So like our kind of sad feelings go in the blue zone, our happy feelings go in the green zone, our scared and anxious feelings go in the yellow zone, and our angry, frustrated feelings go in the red zone. So I was doing this check-in with all of the kids I was meeting with. And I always say, what zone are you in today? That's how I start our conversations and then ask them why. And I give an example too. So I done kind of a whole day of that. And then at dinner time, we were sitting down for family dinner and just talking. And my three-year-old Madeline looks up to me and goes, Mama, what color are you right now? Oh. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I couldn't kind of quite exactly in the moment figure out what she's talking about. And then it dawned on me. She was, you know, listening to my Zone's lessons, taking it all in, and then wanting to like ask me how I was feeling basically. Um, and I was able to answer her. Then she asked my husband. She pretended to ask my infant at the time who obviously wasn't able to answer her. Yeah. And um, she'll utilize that, you know, throughout the day. Sometimes she'll say what color she is and things like that. Um, and I had used some of that language with her separately, but it's really just goes to show you like they're always listening, even when you think they're not too. And taking it in and those wheels were turning and she was then able to like use it in the complete appropriate context. And now it's something we talk about all the time together. Um, So that was just a cool little moment to see with her. Oh, it's so great. And,
0: you know, that really does blossom in these children, especially the toddler ages, you know, when they are verbalizing and even just their facial expression will change if you're Mm -hmm. upset or happy, like, as we know that they mirror a lot of our emotions as well. Right. So a lot of children, if you're crying or sad, they may look curious or cry also, or, you know, be very just interested in the human emotion and our faces and the words that we say, have you seen the movie inside out from Disney? I love uh, I'm love sure it. i sure I was going to say, I'm like most, I hope that every child psychologist or anyone who works with children or just any psychologist would watch it. It's such a great movie for anyone who has not seen it. It's a Disney movie. I, I love it because they have the different emotions As characters. So if you have not seen it, it will really pair well with this episode because it really teaches kids about the varied human emotions we all have. And I love that example that you gave. That's definitely her listening when you don't even realize it. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And what would you say then in your experience, obviously I know you work with your own practice, but also in the school setting, what would you say are some barriers you see in parents, you know, when they're trying to raise emotionally aware children, barriers include Missteps. I don't like calling them mistakes because mistakes Mm -hmm. has like a negative connotation, but missteps, like maybe something that could be done differently when we approach feelings,
1: the discussion
0: about feelings and emotions with children.
1: I think honestly, one of the biggest barriers is, you know, some of the parents that I come across are um, not super emotionally aware themselves, Mm -hmm. right? They also don't have the language to utilize, to express their emotions. They were never really taught it. Maybe growing up, they were taught, you know, emotions are bad. We don't talk about our emotions you know, not intentionally passing that down to their children, but not really having their own skill set in terms of how to verbalize their own emotions and then model that in turn for their children. So I think parents being able to do some of their own work and their own education and coming to terms with their own emotions and accepting their own feelings, then in turn can help, you know, their children become more emotionally aware. And I think also this kind of I don't want to say stigma, but like kind of bad feelings, bad associations with negative emotions Mm -hmm. and this tendency to kind of shut them down. If the kid is getting really angry and aggressive, like using punishment for that, um, and getting angry back with them and that kind of stuff, which happens because you're a parent and you're human. And, you know, if they're dysregulated and get you dysregulated, you're not always going to react perfectly. But I think, That's a big one I see is where when kids are having these big emotions and parents and teachers interpret these negative emotions as you know intentional, disrespectful behavior, whereas really it's just a sign of communication and that the kids are just trying to express a feeling to you and they don't know how. Um, And switching that mindset, which is really hard to do, can really help the way you then react to these emotions, which then in turn helps their emotional expression of these more challenging emotions.
0: Oh, this is so important. And this is all stuff that's not only just important for your younger child, but can also be strategies for, you know, teenagers and adults. We've talked about that, right? Like how we communicate with each other and just allowing each other to feel seen and verbalizing and just showing that you're there and that um, we are human. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions I see is that people feel so guilty when they get angry. Like, you know, just say you're trying to do this work of like being a more present, calm, you know, non-reactive, more responsive as a parent, right? And then you get mad, you get upset, you yell. And there's so much guilt and shame that people feel and they put on top of themselves. And I always have to say, like what we said, I've done it, you've done it. You know, we've had moments where we're vulnerable and we don't mean to yell and we do, and we're just so frustrated and it's a reality. And the work that I think is really important is making that... Okay. That every time I do have an episode where I do yell at my son, I think about what was happening in that day that got me to that point that I lost my cool because it obviously wasn't only just my son doing what he was doing. There was probably, I was overscheduled. I was, you know, I didn't take time for me, whatever it may be like looking at the big picture so that we can work on ourselves to maybe it won't keep happening all the time. Like you're going to have one-offs. You're going to have days that are worse than others, but yes, I agree with you. It's when the common pattern is happening where you have not done the work to look at your emotions. You're not comfortable with your emotions. And a lot of that is cyclical parenting, right? Like a lot of us grew up in households where, like you said, those negative emotions were just not okay. Like you can't cry, especially for boys, boys don't cry. Why are you crying? Be tough, be tough. You have to be strong. I feel like the whole society and parents in the back in the day, especially, and even some parents now, they're just trying to push people through their emotions quicker You know, like they're not allowing even a child like, okay, just get over it. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, no, apparently it is a big deal to this child. We're not saying to like nurse the wound forever, but just be with them as they kind of figure out those emotions and what you do. And I do as well. Those evening chats are like so vital or in the drive home or drive to school, like really talking about the feelings so that they understand that, Hey, I had a moment I'm feeling this way. Now I understand the emotion so that I can learn how to cope. Because I think people forget there's, you have emotions, but then you also have to learn healthy coping skills to go with those emotions as well.
1: Right. Yes. And that's I another piece of what I also kind of try and do with my daughters is teach the other side of it too. Okay. We have this big emotion. Now what do we do with it? Yeah. Um, you know, we do a lot of deep breathing. I have a lot of books about teaching kids breathing exercises. Sesame street has like an awesome collaboration where they have all these mindfulness videos on YouTube and books. Um, that we read just educating kids about emotions. And then secondly, what to do when they have emotions. We have like a little calm down corner in our house with a beanbag chair where it has some like visual things and some tactile stuff like stress balls and those poppers that, you know, she can utilize to help deescalate those big emotions too. Cause that's the second step. One understanding, verbalizing, and then how to make yourself feel better. Um, It's important to teach them that as well.
0: Yeah. And I think like you would agree that the first step is recognizing the emotions. And then as you're doing that simultaneously, you can also teach them the, um, processing on how to cope with it, but both equal parts of the puzzle that we can't forget. Oh, this was such a great conversation because I love talking about emotions. I love talking about the human experience and obviously how this all relates to parenting.
1: What would be your final take home for everyone listening today? I think just, you know, primarily, give yourself grace because you're a parent, you are going to make mistakes. You're not going to be perfect. And if your kids are experiencing big emotions and you're having difficulty handling them, that's okay. I think that, you know, doing the work to understand your own emotions and then starting to slowly be able to incorporate that into the day-to-day dialogue with your children is what's important. And using those evening bedtime chats to debrief the day, being able to talk these things through with them and just admit that all emotions are okay. Um, and know it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, some kids will take to it faster than others, mm-hmm. but I think it's just an important piece that we should be including. You know, we go to our pediatrician all the time and we keep track of our kids' physical health. But it's so important to start breeding that, you know, that mental health from such a young age as well, and being able to just support them as they grow and develop through it, because it's a big process.
0: And I love how you mentioned the every child will have a different sort of speed of understanding the emotions and just innately, right, just by temperament. Mm -hmm. Some children are, quote unquote, more in tune with their emotions, more sensitive. Um, It's just who we are, you know, but every parent, regardless of how that child looks, should Approach their kids with this sort of, I think, emotional awareness parenting that we're describing here. Oh, such a great conversation. And, you know, at the end of every episode, I know you already mentioned one thing, you know, with your story of your older daughter when she was watching you do the lectures and the color of the Mm -hmm. emotions. What would say is your parenting high and low with maybe either one of your daughters or both? I like to do this because it's just so nice to show our guests who do have children the relatability that, you know, there's good moments, there's not so great moments. So if you want to share maybe, a low and a high that's kind of happened in your parenting journey so far?
1: I think with the high, I'd have to say definitely at this point with having two girls and my youngest growing far too quickly is seeing the relationship between them blossom and, you know, catching those moments. Last night, there was a silly moment where my older one was running around the house and my one-year-old was crawling and kind of chasing her around the house. Um, And they were both laughing and just watching that from a distance made me like, take a moment to be like, I'm doing something right. Cause these are happy, well-adjusted kids and they're interacting with each other well. And it's awesome. And seeing my older child be able to kind of talk to my younger child in ways I talk to her, you know, reassuring her it's okay to be sad and giving her that kind of positive praise that I know I've said to her. So seeing it being carried over, clearly she's listening to me because now she's, Using those same words and strategies with her younger sister. So, I really think for me right now, the stage I'm in, because it, there also are a lot of challenges in terms of sharing, which I guess I can use as my low too, but seeing them blossom and the relationship grow. And I'm so excited for what the future holds for the two of them. Um, and with the low, would probably be kind of right on par with that as well. You know, having my oldest was about just shy of two and a half when I had my younger daughter, Ellie. And I think navigating splitting time Mm -hmm. and feeling like I had enough time to give, to meet the needs of both my kids, as well as myself, as well as my husband, um, was super challenging for me as my younger becomes more mobile and is getting into Madeline's toys, navigating this whole sharing and fighting situation um, is really challenging for me. Um, and trying to figure out how to help them through that, I think really is kind of my low in frustration right now. And it's where I'll lose my patience a lot of times with my older child, because obviously the one-year-old can't help the thing mm-hmm. she's doing. And I then have to take a step back and remember she is only three and it's okay that sharing is hard for her and that kind of stuff. But I think that you know my high and the low, are both seeing both the highs of my girls blossoming together and the lows of the challenges of raising two daughters who are strong-willed and all that fun stuff that comes along with it.
0: Thank you so much. I completely agree with that. I love when my guests share that because it's just so nice to hear the ups and downs that we all go through um, as parents, as psychologists, as pediatricians, as professionals, and just as moms in general. So I really appreciate you sharing that and all of the information today on raising an emotionally aware child. So thank you again. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Mona. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's doc talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Pete's doc talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye bye late night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search PEDS Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel.